is upon us. It's time to dig in, to stand our ground, and watch for the next attack. You're in the Fox with Jason Mark. Hey, hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Foxhole, where we stand our ground and watch for the enemy's next move. Today is Thursday, December 14th, 2023. Just kidding. It's actually the 13th. We're pre-recording this. And we <laughs> will play it live tomorrow at the designated time because it's important to be consistent. Um, anyway, today I have a very special guest. Uh, this is someone that you might all know from David Knight Chat, Mr. Surge from Surge the Purge. How's and, it going? Uh, Mr. Surge, you, you do a lot of on the ground reporting and, uh, you have your own channels and stuff and you're get, kind of getting established on, uh, on, was it rumble right now? Right. Absolutely. And, yeah. So, uh, tell us about yourself and what you do, brother. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm getting established on rumble because at some point I kind of plan on getting banned off of YouTube. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> you have to pre-plan for that nowadays. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much, uh, at least for the YouTube page, uh, my main you know, channel, Surge the Purge, I, I just, I pretty much touch on uh, socioeconomic stuff. So I go to like small towns, uh, big cities are starting to happen a little bit more. The, you know, it's just, it comes out of my wallet, you know, so it's a, it's a bit expensive to do uh like tomorrow, I'm going to Los Angeles. So actually, on the day that this will air, I'll be in L.A., uh, in Hollywood, on the ground, uh, hopefully interviewing people and not getting assaulted uh, doing that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, pretty much what I do is is um, you know I go to these towns and and just talk to the people from there and kind of get the lay of the land and um, see basically if the town is on the come up or if the town is currently dying. Um, and then I'll end up doing street interviews. Um, obviously that's kind of a popular trend right now in the space, but I'll end up usually doing that, um, within those videos. So I'd basically do like videos within the videos themselves as well. Some of it's satire, some of it's for real. Uh, I let, I kind of let people make up their own mind because sometimes people just meme themselves on video and <laughs> they don't even know who I am or what I'm about. And it's like, well, 10,000 people are about to see that video. So, <laughs> you know, it's such a fine line between reality and satire nowadays, isn't it? it, it well, it is because people create their own in, in a way, yeah. you know, like I, I just had this video yesterday where uh, this guy was basically I was actually this one. I, I felt like I, maybe I was crossing the line a little bit because I was actually on his property technically. And, you know, you don't you don't want to insult a man in his own home is kind of how I see it. But um he did just voluntarily, you know, tell me stuff on camera. And I told him, you know, in advance, I'm like, hey, you know, if there's anything you don't want to be on video, then tell me at the end. He didn't say that. So I, I put it on the Internet. But he was talking about, um, you know, working at a gun store and he quit because basically he was dissatisfied with the uh, the lack of covid restrictions at the store he worked at. So the guy was, you know, super woke and all that. And. You know, the guy created his own meme out of himself. <laughs> well, that's an oxymoron right there. Super woke working at a gun store. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess he quit. Yeah. For that, for that reason. Right. But wow. um, yeah, pe people tend to do that. You know, they think that I, you know, I find it interesting because people are, are very willing to just kind of share their beliefs with you without knowing what you think about it, you know, because um, when I show up to do stuff, I usually try to like not wear anything political so that way i don't slant the video my own direction um in a certain way and then people will voluntarily tell me stuff like that and i'm like cool now you're literally just going to get roasted <laughs> on the internet well that's you know that's one thing i noticed about you know watching a few of your videos i gotta watch some more but um you, you kind of come off as just a guy on the street and and people nowadays because of the whole you know 15 second clip thing and going viral and all that they they kind of want to be out there. They want to go viral. They want to be, oh, I'm going to be on the internet. You know, it's kind of like yeah. back in the 80s, you know, oh, I'm going to be a TV star. They're willing to share that. And you're out there, uh, nonpartisan, generally just try not there. to be. Yeah. What's, hey, what's going on here? What's it like living in this town? Uh, what's happened to industry? Things like that. And people are willing to share. And you're getting like the honest, you're not cherry picking certain individuals to give a certain narrative. Well, it's interesting, too, because I've had people actually say that, like, my videos are fake. 
like I had a, I had one recently that did go super viral on like everything. It, it was YouTube, Twitter, like every single platform. It was I just titled the video uh, "Black Woman Shares Thoughts on White Privilege," and it, I had so there's a store up here. Yeah, it's literally called the Trump Store, and the whole I mean that in itself is essentially satire. So I was like, of course I'm going to go in the store, uh, regardless of what I think about it, and try to talk to some people, and. Uh, of, of you know coincidentally enough there was a, a black woman shopping in there and they had these white privilege cards they literally look like credit cards that say white privilege on them and i asked her you know what do you think about this and you I, i'm telling you when i asked this question you could have he heard like a pin drop in the store i mean literally like people were like afraid which is kind of weird because it's that you would think i mean you're literally selling this product right you would think it's totally out in the open but um yeah and then she she actually gave me a pretty honest and extensive interview uh, and it went semi-viral, and then people commented that I paid her off or whatever to like give me that answer. <laughs> you know? Well, that's the thing is, uh, and that's why I like uh, I like what you do because you're out there talking to people that are living in reality, right? Yeah, not living in the fake reality of you know whatever social media and they post or you know you get these white collar people that are out there doing analytics and they're trying to tell you what the climate of the the world is right now no that that's what we're sold that's a bill of goods we're sold if you really want to know the truth and i wish i could do this i re really wish i could i wish i could travel out and do you know talk to people and stuff uh and find out what's the real you know on the on the beat on the ground what's the real climate of how people feel about stuff because we don't get that we don't get that with our politicians we don't get that with the news media uh we don't get that on social media uh, but you're out there doing it, man. Yeah, well, well, just to give kind of like a, a backstory on how I started it. Um, I mean, I'm actually I'm a musician. That, that's been my trade uh, that I've done for a living pretty much my entire adult life. Um, so when I, I, I just moved you know, back to Arizona like six months ago and I was just kind of in limbo because I had done I, I basically had gotten to a point in the music industry where I felt like I'd done everything I wanted to do in it without getting so jaded that I'm like a bitter human being. Cause that's kind of where it started going with it. Like I have lived in Los Angeles, I've lived in Nashville, like the two music hubs of the world. And um, I mean, everything you see in terms of like Hollywood, it definitely is real and you don't have to be like the biggest of the big shots to see it, you know, uh, uh, in real life, I guess. So like when I was younger in Hollywood living there, I mean, I just saw so much crap, you know, at a young age that like really changed me as a human being, you know, and it started leading me down this path where I'm like, I don't know if I want to do music to this extent, like for the rest of my life, because I, I feel so like ugly inside almost, you know, from being around these people. It's probably the way I, and some people don't understand what I mean by that unless you're really in it, you know? Um, but then I was, then when I moved to Nashville, I was touring uh, like the whole East coast and Midwest South area for about three years. And then I, I noticed that when I would go to play these shows, um, I had way more of an interest in the towns that we drive through, you know, and, and just talking to people from those areas, asking about the areas and, and getting to know the people and the, the towns more than I cared about playing the gig. The gig was like an afterthought to me every time I go, like we'd go up to people don't even know where this is like Titusville, Pennsylvania, you know, like up in the rust belt. No one has any clue. It's on a state highway. It's like just north of uh, of Pittsburgh, you know. And uh, and that was kind of the moment for me where I'm like, I'd love to continue doing this, but just not playing the music part, <laughs> you know. Um, now, now I didn't know that about you. I, I knew you traveled, but I didn't know you were in a band. Uh, I I, I kind of want to shift gears here and talk about that a little bit. Oh yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's about that? Yeah. Um, well, I mean. So like I said, my entire adult life, right? Like I've, I actually, that was my original plan was to, you know, make this happen. So I've always been kind of like on that, that weird cutting edge of like not doing traditional things for a living. I guess you could say like my whole family, when I was doing music, my family was like, don't do this. Or like, you know, they give you like reasons to talk you out of it. But I, I was always just so persistent. Like eventually it worked out, you know? Um, but yeah, right around uh, 2020, actually, is when I... So I was living in, in LA, and I was so sick of it by this point. I mean, seriously, like... How just, could you afford that? I, I lived in LA. 
Oh, did you? Oh, that's so crazy. Yeah, I did in the, in the uh, early to mid nineties. Yeah, it was. Well, I was like barely affording it. I mean, I, um, so I had, I, to be honest with you, I lived in about 16 different apartments, uh, in three years. So what, what part were you like, uh, downtown around that or Hollywood or I was in Pico Rivera, Whittier area. That's where. Oh yeah. So you're, you're out East. Yeah. Yeah. East of East LA. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little cheaper, not even by much yeah. though. But um, not by yeah. much, but yeah. <laughs> I lived in uh, in Hollywood and Burbank, Studio City. So like, where the stars live is where I lived, basically. Uh, except wow. for Beverly Hills, I couldn't afford that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I well, I basically moved there. I was I was going to school like a trade. It wasn't even like real college. I never went to real college. I just went to trade school. So it's called Musicians Institute. It used to be like world famous. It's kind of hit the decline in the last 10 years, probably. Uh, it's right off Hollywood Boulevard. So that's how I ended up in Hollywood. And I was doing audio engineering at the time, which is because I know you mentioned the setup. You're like, dude, your setup's cool. Like, that's how yeah, I kind of like, knew how to do this stuff, you know, uh, before I started like doing it in, in a podcast format. It was I, I was just doing audio engineering. So when I got and I basically made friends with, you know, all my teachers at the time because they were going to you know get me work. I was I kind of saw that path then where I was just like. All right, I, I really need to be cool with everyone here so that way I can get into the industry like immediately, basically, because I saw so many of my friends just not really understand that aspect of it. So they would all just end up going home. So out of like everyone that graduated that school, I think it was me and one other guy that actually were successful on paper in L.A. Um, like could afford to yeah. live there, basically. So I. um yeah, so I was picking up all these these freelance gigs. It just kind of started out with like weddings, you know, just like stuff that's not really that important. And I kind of worked my way up into like doing co big concerts for like Def Jam and and uh, at at one point, like not to like name drop or anything, but like it is kind of like resume worthy, I guess. Like I did end up going to like Dr. Dre's house to do a gig there at one point, like you know, on a mountain in in uh, Malibu area, like Brentwood near Beverly Hills. Yeah. So that was like kind of the peak for me while I lived there. It was like doing that. I'm like, all right, it doesn't really get any, you know, bigger than that, you know, but I was still like peasant class. <laughs> yeah. You kind of like were allowed to come in the door and yeah, 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 yeah. Like this yeah. dude literally had a drawbridge that, you know, went down from his house and you'd cross <laughs> over cool. a, a moat. Yeah. Oh, it was That's crazy. Cool. Yeah. It was, it was really insane. Uh, yeah. Like Jimmy Iovine was there. I mean, it was like one of those moments in your life where you're like, okay, you know, I might be part of like 1% of the population, if that, that's ever going to experience this, you know what I mean? But in doing that, um, you know, I learned so many things to get to that point where I was like, okay, I, I literally can't ever say my political beliefs or I will immediately right. be blackballed from everything. Um, I ended up, there was a lot of, uh, work I had to do at, uh, like literally basically LGBTQ events that I just didn't agree with, but I'm at work. Right. Uh, and you'd have like, <laughs> I mean, you have like the craziest things, you know, like, like you just got just the ugliest side of the world in front of your face every night. So, you know, there was like BDSM stuff I had to go do just for money. Cause I, you know, like, you know, in LA, you just do stuff for money to be able to yeah. live you can't be choosy about that stuff you know well everything's expensive i mean even just to eat you know uh to go to the grocery store to go to a restaurant yeah it's, it's hyperinflated. and oh uh, what yeah. is a, a, a studio apartment back when i lived there in the early to mid 90s a studio apartment and i'm talking like you're eating in your kitchen and you could see your toilet that's that oh yeah that, that's how it was for me i i lived yeah, with roommates that was fourteen hundred dollars a month back then Oh, that's well, that's actually how much I was paying uh, roughly. Yeah. I, I lived with roommates, and then finally, right at the end, I had like gotten again successful enough to afford my own place because I got sick of living with people. And it was literally that 300 square feet. I lived in Burbank yeah. and paid 1500 a month, and it cost me three grand to move in. Yeah, yep, you know, and, and you'll never get that money back, even if you leave the place pristine. Actually, I I did believe it or not. Did you? I, I talked the guy. This is the first time it never happened again since then. But I did talk the guy into like I had my dad come out from Arizona and help me like re drywall everything, and the guy gave me my deposit back. <laughs> wow, that's good, man. That's that's unheard of. It really uh, is. Yeah, you know, going going back to what you said, and this is I mean, we're getting way off the 
the agenda here, but I like the conversation. Um, yeah, one sorry. Thing I, I, uh... <laughs> no, no, no. This is great. This is real, real talk here. One thing I noticed when I was in LA and I'm, I'm not a big guy on going to nightclubs or, you know, things like that or comedy clubs. Uh, but I did go to a few uh, in and around the Hollywood area. Mm-hmm. And I did notice that a lot of the, the talent that was on display at these, these little dive places, you know, they hold 30, 40 people max were better than what you see uh, being put out by the, the labels, you know, the big labels. 100%. And you talked about it's uh, when you were in school, it's about getting to know people and who you know. Um, how much of what we see in the mainstream as far as entertainment, movies, videos, actors, uh, music is because they knew somebody, not because they're so awesome. Oh, it's all, it's a hundred percent. All of that. I don't think I've ever seen a single case of it not being that. Um, I literally, I've met the most, the least talented people and the most talented people. And it does, it actually did always kind of seem like the more talented people would not get the, the, you know, the roles or the, the gigs. And I would, I mean, I remember, um, so this was kind of a pivotal moment for me, actually, because I, again, I was already kind of feeling uh, empty inside, you know, live after a while living here. Right. And again, the city had changed me by this point. I mean, when I first moved there, I was a totally different person than who I became upon leaving. And um, I was doing a gig for for Def Jam. Uh, they were having like this new artist roster that they put out. And and this was the guy that I was telling you about that it was pretty much me and him that had gotten you know some success in the city and uh he was throwing me gigs at his place and it was vice versa and and he's like hey i think you're really gonna want this you know this is this is a big deal so i went and did that that gig and i and i remember it was all rappers because that's like what was in especially in la and uh there was one kid that was like a pop singer there new artist and uh it's during the middle of the show and uh this dude comes up to me at the soundboard and he's like hey man uh I'm I'm so and so's manager. Nice to meet you. Um, can you do me a huge favor? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> you know, like, what am I gonna say? And he's like, uh, do you mind just yeah? Because he was playing guitar. This kid. And he's like, do you mind um just taking his guitar completely out of the mix? He just totally sucks, man. Like they, this guy's <laughs> literally saying that about his own artist, you know. And obviously, I did it, but I'm just like, man, this is. Uh, incredibly depressing i mean it's just not it's not fulfilling at all unless you really are empty inside and you clout chase and that's all you care about is being able to say that you do cool stuff i think that's the only reason why people live there because i i for me i it, it was not worth it you know yeah i i remember going to restaurants on occasion i'd go to a fancy restaurant and uh the waiter or waitress or whoever would be working there would like hand you an eight by ten glossy and yeah I'm like what <laughs> <laughs> what's going on here you know i'm they, an actor i've been in this and that and the other i'm like why are you working at this restaurant man <laughs> well that that used to be the joke actually it was like oh you're not a starbucks employee you're actually a dj or you're an actor yeah, right. i just i just work here right now that was always like the yeah i can i joke. can only imagine it's gotten worse you know oh yeah um, i mean that's the only reason people move there no one's from there as you know probably yeah. you know yeah i did find that out you know the people that are from there they kind of like they're under the radar. They're just yeah. living their life, you know. Yeah. Uh, the people that put themselves out front are people that come there and flock there, and ninety-nine percent of them wind up homeless, uh, which we'll get into later. Well, I was going to uh, say that's another thing is is that right as I moved there was when the homeless situation was yeah. getting completely out of hand. I'm surprised I actually never got like mugged or anything in L.A. I shouldn't you say know, that. I was surprised wow. too. Uh, I was working at a Christmas tree farm or not a farm, but a sales lot in East LA. No, that's rough. (laughs) Yeah. It actually, uh, you could hear the sirens going off and the choppers would come with their spotlights and stuff every single night. Um, and you know, you know, I smoked cigarettes and stuff and yeah, uh, that's a big thing I did too. When I lived there, I was, I smoked like a pack a day. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, but anyway, it was like uh 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. And I'm sitting here living in this Christmas tree lot because they're like, someone's going to climb the fence, you know, we put a fence up in this parking lot and it, someone's going to climb the fence and steal a Christmas tree. And I'm supposed to stop them. I'm not stopping them. You know, <laughs> and I didn't, you know, yeah. I, if, if I heard some noise, I just hunkered down in my little sleeping bag and, you know, I stayed out there, but 
about 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night or something, I'm out of cigarettes. So I go walking down the street and uh, middle of the night in, in East L.A. And I'm a white guy, as white as can be. And I'm like, man, someone's going to shoot me. Uh, but anyway, no, it actually wasn't that bad. The people, uh, there were some people out and about here and there, you know, I was trying to find a store that was open and uh, people were not bad at all. It's, I guess if you're not into the, you know, gang thing, the gang scene, the gang world or whatever, people don't really mess with you. I was actually surprised about that in LA. Yeah, it's very loyalist. I think um, I know Hollywood itself. Hollywood Boulevard was the dividing point for gang activity. Someone uh, that was from there told me that that is the neutral territory which is actually the reason why there were so many shootings at all those clubs on hollywood um, wow see that wasn't happening when i lived there um yeah there was there was quite a few drive-bys uh, right in front of my apartment luckily going the other direction when i lived there um and i had a gun pulled on me like the second week i lived there but the guy wasn't gonna mug us he was just crazy meth guy you know who pulls out a revolver it's like a 357 and he's like, he literally just says, I'm going to kill you and your friends, right? And I'm like 18 years old thinking, okay. <laughs> I was like, what, what am I supposed to do here? I guess other than maybe walk the other way and hope this guy doesn't uh, do something, which, you know, by the grace of God, literally, you know, nothing happened. But that was like my first uh, real LA moment where I'm like, okay, this is a pretty dangerous place, you know? Yeah, I, I never had that. But of course, I, I was back there, like I said, in the early 90s. Um, I had that happen in St. Louis before that. Oh, that's uh, rough. My yeah. high school. But um, anyway, let's let's shift gears here. Um, I wanted to talk about. Uh, so we talked about kind of what you do. You do the man on the streets, kind of like down to earth reporting what's going on with America, which I find very important because we don't get that picture. We're all Thank from you. like, you know, 10,000 feet above looking at reports and stuff. You actually take the time to travel and take your camera out and talk to people who live there that know what's going on. Um, what what is what's kind of like your goal? Like, what are you trying to get to and where are you what are you working on for the future with this? Because I find it intriguing, you know, what you're doing. You're kind of going old school with it. Yeah. Yeah. My my goal with um, with uh, with doing this is basically to be able to um go around the entire country at some point and be able to, you know, essentially financially afford it. Um, you know, I guess there's, there's a lot of angles there on what I could potentially do for that. Um, but actually one of the biggest inspirations for me, uh, in doing this was what happened in East Palestine in Ohio. Um, mm -hmm. because when that happened, nobody, I mean, literally like no one, as you know, went there maybe for a split second obviously like i guess trump went there but that was we know pretty much a political play for him um and then there was a couple youtube guys that went and that was it nothing like no one's followed up on the town since um i've never seen anything since and the one thing i did notice um just in this style of journalism if you want to call it that i guess you could say um is there's a lot of people on youtube specifically that kind of sensationalize all this stuff just for clicks which yes. i kind of i kind of resented that a bit i was like i don't i don't want to fall into that category because it almost fell into like comedy journalism like it didn't feel like real journalism it's like okay you're literally just making a video to get views you don't actually care about the issues of this this space so i, I felt like there wasn't enough people like doing it for real um that that wanted to actually shed light on a on issues that that really matter like the east palestine thing is super important and at some point i, I want to get back there now i just live far away right so it takes some capital um but stuff like that like going to philadelphia um going to baltimore uh like these areas that have just been completely shafted you know um by the welfare system and and well it's actually kind of different right because in the big cities you have the issues with with welfare and a lot of drugs in the small rural areas, you still get the drugs, but then you just have not enough people living there. So you don't have any tax money flowing into the, the towns. There's no infrastructure. You know, it's, it's almost the opposite side effect that I've noticed. Yeah. And, and that's, that's actually really good. What you cover, you, you go through some of these small towns and just talk to people. And that's kind of personal to me. Cause I grew up in and around small towns in Southern Illinois. And oh yeah. The, the government, um, through their, I don't know, their restrictions, their, you know, 
regulations and stuff has shut down so much industry and they've mm -hmm. consolidated when it comes to things like, and, and I wanted to get to this at some point, I want to get to the COVID thing, how that was the nail in the coffin right there, but mom and pops are shut down and that kills a small town. Absolutely. Oh, kills yeah. A small town. A hundred percent. So, I mean, tell us what you found out. And, and uh, I know you did around Arizona area, you went to some small towns and stuff. What are you finding out from these folks when you talk to people on the ground, like what destroyed their towns? Cause they're empty and, and, and it, it does follow drug use follows uh, spousal abuse, divorce rates. I yeah. Mean, I was going to say that, that actually. Um, yeah. I, I think it's very systematic, obviously specific to Southern Arizona. And I'm sure you'd find this in New Mexico and Texas as well. Um, it's just a soup. It's like literally, you know, that town Benson that I was in, it's about 60 miles or so from the border. Um, so you're just literally getting, you're getting all types, you get smugglers, you're getting drugs and it's all just flowing right through that town. Uh, cause it's right off the interstate there. Um, so I think for them uh, specifically, that's more of the problem is that they're just that close to the border. But I think the systematic effect of it really just trickles into every small town. If, if you're far enough from a city, like let's say at maybe 45 to 50 minutes, you're just going to automatically experience economical oppression from being too far from an economical hub. Like all the jobs are going to go to that city because it's just far enough to get there if you if you're willing, but just a little bit too far for you to have anything specifically in your town. Um, so I think in terms of the jobs, like there's just not cash flow uh, from people, you know, individuals going into the town. I mean, in that town, Benson, there was like a laundromat. There's a couple of mom and pop restaurants, some pizza shops. And that was actually, I think that was pretty much it. There was an ice cream shop. That was pretty good, <laughs> but that was it. Um, that's all they got. They don't have like any, any, uh, anything more than, than that, that kind of like contributes to greater society. It's just restaurants. And it's like, well, how do you get the money to go eat out? You have to have a job doing something that's else. Exactly right. It's about cash flow. Mm -hmm. uh it's about you know the town uh supporting itself yeah uh, and cash flow is a big important thing i remember in southern illinois we had uh not too far away we had a steel mill which i think eventually got shut down because we get cheap steel from china after we send it to them yeah you know we send them the you know the recycled stuff and they give us cheap steel back uh sorry no i was i was gonna say i was gonna touch on that actually specifically that region of the country like the you know as known as the rust belt i mean right. that I, in my opinion that actually is the catalyst for um the decline of industry mm -hmm. uh nationwide to this day i mean so as, as soon as that happened where all the steel mills and stuff left the country went to china uh, I mean, that's it for all small towns. Because I look at that town in Illinois, like, uh, is it pronounced Cairo, I think? Cario? Yeah, Cairo. Cairo. Yeah, I know what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that literally destroyed. St. Louis, actually, literally destroyed uh, by industry leaving. And I don't know if there was much steel there, but um, the same same concept. They were right in that region, too. You know. Well, there's a, there's a lot of stuff to it. Now, where I grew up was um, you go 50 miles past St. Louis on Highway 64 into a town called Nashville or outside of town. Kind of, yeah, I know uh, that called one. Nashville. And David actually talked about that trans thing from Nashville. I'm like, whoa, I'm from that area, you know? Yeah. Uh, I live 27 miles south of that in Pinkneyville. Wow. And the, we had uh, coal mines, massive coal mines down there. And the coal is high sulfur coal. Now, that could be scrubbed. It could be scrubbed and used clean. It's just a little expensive. And they shut the coal mines down because, you know, and now it's going to get worse. Uh, so when, when you shut that down, people don't have income. They don't spend the money at the gas station. They don't spend the money at the local restaurant. They don't spend the money at the local five, uh, five and dime. And then they move in Walmarts. They move in dollar stores. Yep. Uh, but like you said, eventually, you know, that's nice. That's kind of a temporary relief. Uh, but everybody ends up on the dole. Well, that's what I was going to say is it, it actually makes way for welfare because it's like, oh, it, you just got dollar, dollar stores now. But I eventually, <laughs> if, you know, eventually people can't even afford that. Yeah, you know, they can't afford that. And then the town just crumbles and dries because of the overregulation. Um, you know, let them compete. Let them sell their coal at a lower price because it costs more to scrub it, to, to burn it cleanly. You know, at least keep it going on. But no, they just shut down. Yeah, they shut down because of government regulation. 
And, uh, you know, I don't know where I'm going with this. I just know that the government is not good. And when they come in and they shut things down, like you said, the town is almost self-sufficient. You produce something that's being sold elsewhere. When they take that away, it collapses in on itself. Everybody becomes, yeah. you well, know. That, that's where you see like the, the escape to the big cities. I mean, that, I think that's, yes. I mean, the 70, like the late seventies that like the decline of Detroit, all that stuff, which mm -hmm. they're like the biggest one that, you know, really got hit Cleveland too. Um, once you see that decline is where you start seeing other cities grow, but now, it, now everyone, you know, goes to those cities thinking, okay, this is my only option. Now you have a big city culture and that's where you get like the divide between uh, rural America and big city America. You got completely different ideologies between the two cultures. I mean, it's literally like two, there's two different cultures, at least on a black and white level in america right now and i think it's mostly due to obviously there's plenty of other reasons but there's it's mostly due to the economic uh not even failures because is it a failure i mean i think it it worked out pretty good for the people that profited from it uh, that obviously mm -hmm. did it on purpose oh um, they come back they come back to these small towns and buy up the entire property and build their compound there yeah you know, exactly that's, that's on kind pennies of on the dollar you know and yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying is like, yeah, so that, you know, the people, the people that live there, then that becomes their only job. So it's like you're, you're kind of a, a slave to your town at that point. You don't win either way in that situation. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I noticed in uh, like Pennsylvania, upstate New York, um, I think like Chobani's up there in, in Utica. Um, that's like all the town has. I know where that's at. <laughs> I was in upstate New York. In the oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. That's oh, like I, I lived in I lived in Watertown, New York. And Watertown has uh, the one industry they have that's still thriving is the the little Christmas tree air freshener thing you hang oh. on your rear view. That's still there. They're still thriving. Uh, the other big one was the New York air brake place. And while I was there, they demolished half of their factory. They oh, demolished wow. it because it's just they, they tax. They think the problem is that the rich don't pay, uh, pay their fair share. But people don't understand there's a difference between the people who own the company what salary they draw and what the company makes. Yeah. So they say, well, this rich guy sucks because he's rich. So let's tax his company. Well, the company, that's a different entity. That's an LLC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, and, it's and they, they make it impossible for these people to operate. So they move overseas. They outsource, move to a different state, you know, and, uh, and actually sudden, it should be illegal to do that. I mean, in my opinion, um, yeah, literally outsourcing your labor to i mean apple's done it like the big 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 corporations have apple's done it, right? really bad about it yeah i yeah. mean it should be illegal it should be like basically as if you're committing espionage as a, a corporation <laughs> you know well see that's where i would disagree with guard because guard gardner goldsmith you know him right yeah yeah it's for yeah, sure i love guard me and guard are good friends and um he he likes the idea of open and free trade uh let the market do what it does my only problem with that is that if we like overregulate our own businesses to where they outsource to a place where people commit suicide because of working conditions so mm -hmm. we can have a cheap iPhone, I think we need to tariff that iPhone so bad that it's the same price, whether we build it here or it's built in those situations in China. Hmm. That way it's not built in China under those slave kind of circumstances, right? Um, of course, we have a problem here with people wanting you know, forty, fifty dollars an hour to to sit there and push a button. I know that's you know? the yeah, and that's yeah, it's just a a big plan at that point. Yeah, because <laughs> hey, you can't, you almost can't win in in that circumstance too. Because it's like, yeah, you exactly what you just said. People want you know forty, fifty an hour. Now I will tell you that the huge, I think the really, really big divide, like with these small towns, uh, with the wage gaps and stuff between cities and and the rural areas. Like uh, I actually went to in uh, I didn't unfortunately get this on video, but this is when I was still in the band. I we had a fan that invited us to their house. This was in Pennsylvania, like out in rural Pennsylvania, and um, their house was kind of de decrepit. I mean, it was obviously nice for the area. That's saying a mm -hmm. lot. Um, the 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 floor was you know doing this kind of sloping effect. I can't remember what that's called, but uh, yeah, really, it probably cost more than the house is worth to get it fixed. And and she was going on to tell us that she paid thirty thousand dollars for her, her whole house. That was it. Yeah, and she's a school teacher, and it's like you literally could not afford to move out of this area. It's impossible. Like your your house is worth so little, you couldn't even get a house somewhere else to have a better life if you wanted to.
you know. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. Let's take a quick break. I actually got a new commercial I want to play. Sure. Uh, since we're talking music, actually, I'll play I'll play Audis first, and and when we come back, I want to talk about um about that about how we got to where we are in that kind of rust belt kind of small town where you know it's it's a cheap cost of living of course it's but but there's no work mm-hmm. so it's kind of like but anyway we'll, we'll be right back let me play out his commercial here new music classic artists that's how we do it here at modern retro radio Lenny Kravitz has just released his 11th studio album. Here is the ever-enduring pop genius, Beck. Giving you the latest from Cheryl Crow. Lindsey Buckingham. Marilyn Manson. This is garbage. Song called Blood for Poppies. Robert Crane's channeling Al Green. Better known as Shaka Brand new music from Parliament Funkadelic. Back in the 1980s and 1990s, we knew him as Terrence Trent Darby. This is Taylor Dane. You know, you know that group, Blue uh, Fighters? I am vaguely familiar with them, yeah. The new album from Slash, Phil Collins, covers the four tops. Metallica's 2016 double album, Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Here we got Aerosmith with Beyond Beautiful. And we're back and we're still talking with Serge the Purge. Um, I wanted to take a quick break so we could refocus on you, you hit on something very, very important. You were talking about being in a, a kind of an economically depressed area where you're in a house that a person can't afford to move out. You can't afford to stay. You can't afford to move out. Um, how did we get here? Is this our economic policies? Is this the printing of money, hyperinflation? Uh, what do you think is is causing this huge divide? Because you you said it earlier, there's a huge divide between city life and now country life or rural. Rural, I can't say that word. Rural, yeah. Rural. There's an R in there that I can't. Me neither. Yeah. Um, yeah. I you know I think uh, I mean there's a lot of factors obviously into play. I mean as you know, our society initially came from a rural society. Mm-hmm. And as Jefferson said, you know, that's the death of the country would be the you know big city culture. Everyone flocking to big cities totally hit it on the money. I think, um, you know, I, I in terms of how we I, well, I think a lot of it is is industry leaving those towns, but also new industry replacing that industry being that you you know, it this is this is how I see it. It's enslaved from a previous generation before mine and enslaved people into having no choice but to get a college degree to get a good job. That I became, agree with that. that. That became the status quo, yes, right? In the eighties. That was yeah. the thing in the eighties. It went from finished high school to now you have to have a degree. Right. And it's because those those blue collar industries are right going down the tube. So now mm-hmm. the people that from the pre and I think most of it actually is from that generation, like generation X got stuck in those areas. So now you have newer generations of young, younger people living there with less opportunity. But I think those, the people that didn't get with the times with that uh, basically got stuck there. Right. And, and how, how were they supposed to know? No one would have actually known that was going to occur, but then it's just funnel, funneled it all into um, like big tech uh primarily uh anything in the medical field right yeah as you've seen become very coveted psychology's become coveted but now it's gotten so saturated that that's worthless too and it's like almost like it's going back like i i remember reading uh in 2020 that a handyman would be the highest paying job by 2025 you know you know what i i see coming out and i don't know what the legal implications are but a lot of the medical people that left out of the because, you know, it's it's almost impossible to be a doctor now. And even we used to think doctors were like the highest paying doctors and lawyers and stuff like that. The insurance they have to carry is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's why our medical costs are so high. Uh, the insurance for malpractice because of all the frivolous lawsuits and stuff. Um, I would like to see these doctors that were pushed out through covid with the COVID stuff, they were pushed out and maybe they had to quit their job or they got fired or whatever. Um, I would like to see them make house calls again and do like a private practice. I don't know how feasible that is with regulations and stuff. Um, well, that is the problem again. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that would bring the cost down uh, dramatically. 
you know, uh, yeah. yeah, you're not in an insurance group where if something catastrophic happens to you, like you get some kind of rare form of cancer that you've got all these other people paying in that's going to help cover your cost. But I, I like the, the idea of preventative medicine. Yeah, I you think know, that sure. you definitely. Yeah. Well, so here's some, this some interesting point you made there. And I think this definitely touches on that because, um, you know, so when I was playing shows every week, you know, on the road, I, I started having issues with carpal tunnel in my wrists. And uh, I started, you know, I, you I play went, guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So I, um, I went to the doctor, you know, and I'm like, Hey, I'm having all these issues, get an MRI done. And he's, you know, he tells me I actually have a ganglion cyst also inside of my, my wrist. That's like so deep. He'd have to surgically remove it and basically advised against it kind of thing. And then said, there's nothing you could do about it. So I'm thinking, well, why is there, why, why am I even seeing the doctor? Like every time I go to the doctor now, it literally feels like I had to tell them what my issue was. And then they tell me they can't do anything about it. So I started um, back on the supplements. You know, I, I cleaned up my diet, a lot of B12, uh, omega-3, uh, obviously. Yeah, the I'm taking the fish oil now. Yep. Yeah, the iodine stuff, you know. Um, and as soon as I really just started milking that hardcore and cleaning up my diet, like the, all the pain went away. And I go back to the doctor and he's like, oh, well, what changed? And I tell him and he gives me this blank stare like he doesn't even want to acknowledge that this worked for me you know, because it's yeah. offensive to them. It's like, no, we, we have the coveted position. We have the coveted knowledge that you don't have. This is unallowed. Our insurance company will not pay us for this, you know? Oh, they have, they're, they're nothing more than WebMD. you know? Yeah. They, they, um, have yeah. you seen any of the interviews I did with Dr. LaGuardia? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, he wrote this book. I got it right here. It's a uh, doomsday book of medicine. Oh, nice. Okay. And uh, he wrote a couple books, but this one's, I love this one because it, um, it's just basically like if the world ends tomorrow and we don't have a pharmacy, like what can you do to, to treat these certain conditions, whether it's high blood pressure or, or whatever. And that's what I got it for is high blood pressure. Oh, then he breaks down what the condition is, what causes it, and then what you could do naturally, you know, to deal with it. And that's what the doctors now don't do. They, they're they're pushing drugs. They're pushing pharmaceuticals. Uh, it's a one pill fix everything, you know. Same with psychology too. I mean, mental health. Yeah, right. Blowing up, astronaut. I mean, I, I even when I was a kid, it wasn't as big as it is now. Like it's almost trendy now to have a mental health disorder. I mean, oh God, like, yes. And then I think that's the. It, but see, that's the divide that I see with like big city culture versus rural cultures it actually seems like more of the rural culture is willing to handle things themselves that's what i've seen like going to a lot of small towns is the consensus is always you know i'll ask like do you have any political problems you got issues with the cops here it's always like we pretty much never call the cops and i don't mm -hmm. care who the mayor is because we deal with all their problems ourselves. when i go to the big city it's literally the opposite it's i want huge government i want the government and all my problems i want to be told what problems I have and how to fix them by the government or someone with a title of elitism, hence a psychologist, a doctor. Cause I mean, you go to the rural areas, no one got a vaccine you go into the city. Oh, you didn't get a vaccine. You're a Nazi. <laughs> I mean, well, I saw the, the one video I was watching. Um, you were walking around talking to these dudes. They're like, yeah, we don't lock our doors at night. We don't need to. Yeah. That's you crazy. Know, yeah, it is. And, and I grew up like that where you didn't have to lock your doors at night. Yeah. That's you know? crazy. Yeah. And I would never, I grew up in the city. I grew up in Phoenix, you know? So for me, it's like, I've always known that lifestyle. So going into the small towns for me, I almost feel out of place sometimes, uh, going there, but yeah, I can relate to the people there more than I can to people in the city. It's almost, it's like a hive mind, you know? Yeah. Um, the only sad thing is that, that that's kind of dying because, because of, like you said, the, the lack of, of uh, jobs and things like that, and people are starting to get on the government, they rely on the government more, which I think is by design. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's not the same as it used to be. There's a lot of drugs involved. Uh, a lot of people lost hope, you yeah. know, and, and how do you get that hope back? I don't well, know. That, and that's, that. yeah, and that's the issue is, um, too, is actually at, like those guys specifically in that town of Benson, you know, I asked them specifically, do you guys have big dreams here? you know, growing up here. And the consensus was, you know, my big dream is to get out of this town. That's the yeah. first thing. And then, then I'll figure it out from there, basically. Um, so I, I think if 
And I feel like it, it used to be different. You know, you used to be able to kind of live your dream within a town. You sustain yourself uh, that way. You don't have to go to the big city, you know, but it's, it's certainly become that way. Um, you know, it, it's a slave ship either way. Yeah. And a lot of people, unfortunately, are moving to the city and finding themselves homeless because uh, they don't understand, you know, coming from a, an area where cost of living is, you know, rent might be 800 bucks a month and they move into a city and they have a family and now they find out it's like $2,400 a month for the same size house, even though it's a newer house. Well, um, and, I, and I think people have higher expectations now too. Um, like, I guess, I don't know. I probably shouldn't even mention this, but I think, I think it's actually quite relevant. So like I was going out with this girl for, like like maybe like three dates and then I you know it didn't work out but uh and part of it part of the reason it didn't work out because I realized she lived an incredibly pampered lifestyle like her expectations were incredibly high right she had a good job uh she worked as like a paralegal and um and she was you know gonna move basically to a new apartment and uh and and she's like telling me the prices of these apartments are like twenty five hundred dollars yep. for a, a one bedroom apartment. And even I know, like, and this is in Phoenix, I know that you can get something still nice that is definitely easily like $600 cheaper, easily. Uh, that's like, you're, you know, and I literally asked her, like, are you sure you're not looking at luxury apartments? Like, do they have a gym? Do they have a pool in them? Oh, yeah, they do. It's like, okay, well, do you need to have all that stuff in the place that you live? Or can you just make your lifestyle more modest? So I, I think the other problem is consumption of americans especially in the cities it's just consume 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 spend all your money on stuff you literally don't need like that and then you're going to be a slave to that anyways because eventually you're going to go broke and then you're not gonna be able to move out of that apartment when you want to when you realize it's all been a lie the whole time you know what i mean yeah people pay for that and they don't even use it yeah yeah you exactly. know like you gotta and well heck i remember uh when i was back in georgia one of my soldiers he he got a um he bought a house with his wife and they, they were pregnant with baby. They had ended up, ended up having two babies before he uh, left, but they bought a house in an area that had a, a pool, like, you know, like a, it was a homeowner's association they had a pool house and all that stuff and a playground and all that. Well, he got all that stuff and the pool was only open like one month and then <laughs> they couldn't keep the water clean. Yeah. So I'm like, well, you're paying all this money for this pool. You can't use. Uh, they don't cut the grass around the playground. Uh, your kids are too young to go to the playground and climb on this stuff anyway. You know, they could have really downsized and saved a lot of money. Yeah, I think everyone's just being sold. Uh, well, it's basically the, the old line from George Carlin. You know, like the American dream is is not, it doesn't exist. You know, it's 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 a fake, you know, basically. People get sold this dream. And that's why you see like, because that's actually one thing I noticed growing up which is kind of, I guess, what led me down like that untraditional path anyways, right, of just what I do for a living, essentially, is because I kept seeing the same thing over and over again. I was like, okay, first everyone's going to college, then they're getting a job that's not paying them good at all, and it's taking them like mm -hmm. a decade to get the good-paying job. So by the time they're like 31, maybe, they'll, they're kind of set financially now. And I'm like, do I want to spend 10 years of my life paying back all that money to the government just to have a maybe okay position working for another person for one, uh, you know, when I'm 30, <laughs> you know, uh, so I don't know. That's just, that's how I've seen the, the trends at least growing up. And then, and then you see basically the same thing. I mean, divorce rates super high. Like it's just been like, Oh, okay. Marriage isn't even, doesn't matter. You can get divorced. Um, you know, all, everything's been uh, disposable, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. That's you a know? good word. What What is the movie Fight Club? Yeah. You know, your disposable friend or your one time use friend on the airplane. You know, mm -hmm. everything is like that. And and I think that people people are resentful now. People that are getting into my age, you know, that bought into the college thing and they went into student loan debt, thinking that you know they were sold that oh you go to college and you're going to sit back and you know oh, sit back at your desk and earn a, a six figure income. And they found out that, that that's not the case because everybody else did the same thing. You would yeah. have been better off going and learning to weld or be a mechanic, you mm -hmm. know, some, some useful skill, not just sit in an office and, and crank out emails all day. Um, yeah. I think they're resentful. And, uh, you know, that, that was part of crushing the hope, 
you know, I'm, I'm in all this debt and I can't get a good job. And, you know, I'm competing with other people that can't get a good job. You know, what am I going to do? And they end up waiting tables and they're like, this sucks. And then there's financial problems. Then you fight and you end up divorcing your wife because you can't get along. Yeah. It, it yeah. And, it I, really and I've also, I've also noticed that, um, people, which I guess, you know, obviously no offense being, you, you know, you being of that generation, but I've noticed yeah. that it's, it's been a lot quicker for that generation to basically become dinosaurs now versus it felt like before social media, before tech really took off in the two thousands, like it has, um, it was easier to stay relevant in everything you're doing. And now it's like, like to me, like my dad's a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot you know, yeah. to, to that point, when I was in the army the first time and I, I joined in 99, and I was in until 2005 and I was really, really good at what I did. I was in sure. the combo, combo industry, like radio and uh, computers and, you know, routers and things like that, internet kind of stuff. And I didn't like that field. I mean, I, I was good at it. I, I actually personally, I liked it. I didn't like the job aspect of it because it does progress so fast that I would constantly have to be going back to school constantly mm -hmm. go back to school to stay certified to stay relevant to know what's going on i don't like that now if i'm a mechanic that's a different story yeah uh, engineer uh, you know I, I came back in as an engineer and you know i'm designing buildings and i'm you know yeah we use gps nowadays but really the math is the same math that the that the people who built the pyramids used it doesn't change yeah. you know materials change uh, techniques change but for what I do as a surveyor and stuff, it doesn't change. It's all trigonometry. It's simple trigonometry. Yeah. Uh, I like that better. I liked it that I wouldn't become a relic, like you said, or like a dinosaur. Well, and I, but I think it's, it's, it's bled into a lot of areas of that too. Like not even just the, like keeping up with the times per se. It's, it's also trickled into now what you're seeing is the effects of like the small town thing. Those people did get left behind. And when you go to those yes. places, you can tell they're actually behind the times. I mean, literally um, you're like, wow, did I just step back like 20 years into like, or 30 years into the nineties? I mean, that's what it feels like a lot of the time. And then I've even noticed with the, the thought process with a lot of people just in terms of what they think about the world are also seems like they're stuck maybe in, a different time like i'll meet i'll meet people that actually seem pretty based in their views but they'll vote democrat and i'm like do you literally not see what like what is happening here <laughs> well you know what that's about and i this is southern illinois is a big one on this yeah um you know put the farmers aside and a lot of the farmers are democratic as well but uh a lot of the industry we had was unionized the industry's gone mm -hmm. it's absolutely gone but they were unionized and unions vote Democrat. Uh, my yeah. cousin, he was a hunter. Um, you know, he's passed away now. God rest his soul. But he was a hunter. He was an outdoorsman, very conservative guy. Um, you know, his old lady left him. He raised his daughter on his own. He worked his butt off. He worked extra hours, you know, make sure she was taken care of. Very, very conservative, taking care of business. And when uh, Trump and Hillary were running, I was actually out there visiting my aunt. He was over there for uh, Christmas. And he's like, oh, I'm voting for Hillary. I was like, why would you do that? <laughs> he's like, ah, we're Democrat. Or he's like, we're union and union votes Democrat. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, even though the jobs are gone, so those people that were union are now like not working. That's just the mindset that they have mm -hmm. to vote Democrat. It's it's like uh, I, I I've know. noticed a lot of government employees get into that uh, mindset a lot of just like. I don't even know how to explain it. If you usually though, I've noticed a lot of the time, ex excluding the military actually, but every other thing, uh, and law enforcement, but everything else, is usually uh, government workers basically trust the government. Is actually what I, I see it. They're like, oh, like, I don't you, know why, because they work there, they know what goes on. Yeah, and I, and that's and I've talked to a lot. Of, again, excluding military and law enforcement, usually I've noticed that people that work for the government, like if you mention anything about the NSA or the FBI, right? They'll say, yeah, and you really think that they care about you? And it's like, well, it's it's not even like me specifically. It's just the whole grand scheme, the whole big picture. It's like it, it doesn't matter. Like you just don't you actually just don't care about your privacy as an individual, even though it's on a grand level, if that makes well, sense. Well, I, I think the problem here is and, and I know a lot of government civilians that I've worked with in my time in the army um, is so decompartmentalized 
and and everyone's so you know what i do is so important yeah and that's the government is. makes that it you know makes that possible that i'm such a self-important person mm -hmm. uh they don't see big picture because that's it's it so is. decompartmentalized yeah yeah and yeah i think that's probably that's part of the problem which uh, whereas, is, is why in the small towns you usually find government jobs or that's actually it usually government or factory and and they're both very democrat and the uh, factories are going away I yeah mean, they're all going away um anyway we're man i didn't even get to half the stuff we wanted to yeah, we're sorry. <laughs> no we'll have to get you back on again uh there was just so many topics i think i put too many down on my paper here but no it's uh, cool i i, I talk a lot so yeah uh, no, it's great man you're a great guest i appreciate that yeah well I, I appreciate you having me on uh this was great and and also a bit unexpected so very, yeah, yeah, it was short yeah. notice. I'm glad you came on because, uh, you know, I had a, a guest plan for tomorrow and it didn't it didn't happen. So we got this pre-record. I will be in the live chat, though. Uh, of course, by the time people watching this see this, they'll know that. You know? Yeah, I'll try to get in that. Is that on Rumble? I'll try to get in that. Yeah, live. on Rumble. And hey, let's let's take some time real quick to show people where to find you. Um, Thank you. There we go. This is your you, and I wanted to ask you why the two YouTube channels is one going to be kind of like a everything you do, and the other more of a uh, yeah. So the first one, uh, the surge of the purge is like the main channel where I do a lot of the, the socioeconomic stuff, and then the purge media is going to be um, more of like that's why I already have the WEF documentary there. It's going to okay. be more of the edgier content in the long run, and then also like my podcast stuff like this is going to go on this channel um and then also rumble and all that and i and i kind of actually want to get other journalists on this channel too and kind of make it like a bigger thing you know oh yeah kind of like a, a community of, of folks yeah but look so, at this you've already got um 688 subscribers that's pretty damn impressive oh, i appreciate that i uh it's mostly from uh my my short videos <laughs> well that's what people like you know i, I need to start yeah. doing some of those it's um, it's time consuming surprisingly to do a you know 20 second long clips of your longer videos post editing is a pain i, I will say though the uh yeah the wef one probably was the most time consuming in all and all so anyone that watches the whole thing it's greatly appreciated and hopefully you learned something from that that maybe you didn't know before um there was stuff that i learned that researching it that i did not know previously yeah then uh i want to do a call to everybody watching uh so you're on rumble you kind of got this up off the ground mm -hmm. and this is your backup because youtube's probably going to kick you off at some point um That's it. yeah i gotta upload all my other stuff to here probably yeah, please everybody watching go follow because uh in order to live stream if, if surge ever wants to do a live stream in the future you have to hit a minimum number of people it's not a lot now it used to be like a thousand then it was like a hundred now it's oh. like what 25 or something it's not a lot but you know help us out just go follow it's surge the purge and uh hit the follow button so that if you do want to do a live stream in the future you can you no, i appreciate that yeah definitely plan on it yep and then we got uh you got a twitter page mm -hmm. uh, and i i will be going live to this page at some point as well again still have to post a lot more it's just you know keeping track of everything <laughs> well it's looking good so far i mean you got the basics down as far as the the different platforms i hopefully youtube doesn't kick you off because we were getting a really quick following on youtube and um i don't know we talked about the, the shot and yeah that, that was us. it yeah i got a couple things us. mentioned on there too about it but I don't. Yeah, like I said, I I'm trying to at least have some longevity on YouTube, so I'm. That's why I have the second channel. So at mm -hmm. least if they're gonna ban one of them, you know, I already know which one it'll be. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just sucks. Hopefully, it'll change here in the future. Maybe the I don't know. Maybe they'll do legislation that says, "Hey, you're the public town square or whatever. You can't do that." Yeah. But, uh, but hey, real quick, can I ask you this? Uh, let me add this up. So we got our our website. I'm sure you've seen it, the Knights of the Storm website. Yeah. Can I, can I add you here? Is that okay? Oh, please. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Okay, I will do that. Let me take a note. I'll share the, the hell out of this website. <laughs> it's got everyone I know on here. Yeah, I, I love it. It's a one-stop shop, you know, and we and, and you'll notice there's no ads on here. We don't make any money on this. This is just, uh, you know, for the people out there to, to have a place to go and the schedule for the live sure. stuff. 
Um, and then uh, I wanted to talk about Tiger. Let me play Tiger's commercial. We got a new Tiger commercial. Did we? I'm gonna I'm gonna unveil it tonight. What do you think? Yeah, let's check it out. I'm like, let's rock and roll it. Since we're talking about the economy, you know, the economy and the disparities in the small towns that the government has pushed on us, let's talk about finance. Are you ready? Financial news. So you see, you would figure with some of this calamity going on, the markets would be devastated. I wonder why they're not. Do you think the banks are the only place that the central banks are, are injecting liquidity and money into? Geopolitics. I mean, this is after the Cold War, after the USSR fell, and bang, now we got this Ukraine thing. Same thing with this. There's something going on in Taiwan. We want, we, you know, we're going to get our, stick our noses where they don't belong in Taiwan if they have some kind of problem with China. They're building up to this. Religion. I think what we have found out is that man hates the religion, that, that governments and people in power who are looking for power paint the religion addiction special i wanted to talk about and i know we've touched on this before we touched on nicotine last time i want to touch on the cell phones epic rants we are clowns they are the world laughs at us we are mods it's so infantile that is infantile there is zero dignity left catch the angry tigers then wednesdays at 8 p.m eastern on youtube rumble and twitter also tune in sundays at 8 p.m eastern for the tiger and snake financial report See you there. All right, that's the Tiger commercial. What'd you think? That was that's good. I think I actually saw this on Rumble. I uh maybe yeah. on his page. Well, I threw it up um and I didn't think anybody would notice because it's on a channel that's not advertised, but uh I to get his approval before I ran it, I wanted to make sure it was okay. No, that's that's a cool uh, ad. But yeah, like this that. is his website. Um I think he's got to fix these icons down here yet. So they actually go somewhere, but he's on all these different platforms. And, uh, you know, he, he helped start the, uh, the, the show with me. So not oh, this sure. Year, but the, yeah. But nights of the storm. So we always promote each other. And then here's Audis. And, uh, I, I wanted to get into all this, but we didn't get that far. So <laughs> that's all right. And yeah, next time, uh, one, yeah. one, one thing I will mention which this you know invitation goes out to you and anyone listening, but I am launching a website, uh, thepurge.com, which is going nice. to have um, articles you know that I've kind of already written. There are a lot more bigger picture stuff for me personally, like uh, you know I have the WEF stuff. I got stuff about like the origins of the Illuminati, uh, Bavaria stuff like that uh, on there. Um, but yeah, to anyone that's like a serious writer that would like to. Uh, you know, right for the website, definitely looking for some more people that would, uh, that are good writers that would like to be a part of that in the future. Nice. Uh, how long do you think before you get that up? I know it takes a little time. Uh, yeah, I'm still, uh, I had a, a couple websites I created, but I, I think I'm actually going to use a different, you know, platform to create it on. I don't like Wix. Oh, I get, that's what I got is Wix. Oh, really? uh, yeah, for what I do, it's okay. But if you're looking to more of a writing thing and having like a forum type thing, yeah. which I had to have a virtual gypsy, you know, her from chat. She had to help oh, me yeah. get my, my forum working properly because I'm not, you know, I'm a, I got a computer background, but not a web background per se, you know? Yeah, I, um, I found it difficult to upload like my actual logos into Wix unless someone knows how to do that. <laughs> oh, I just upload them into the media uh, thing and yeah, I don't oh. really have an issue. Uh, I do have an issue with making the website look exactly like I want it to look. I got to kind of go with their yeah. format. Um, yeah, that was that, another thing I noticed too. And then they have all yeah. the Ukraine stuff at the time. I didn't like that. <laughs> I was so yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're already long. I already paid there. for it. Yeah, I already paid for it. So the, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate uh, it. All right. Well, hey, uh, let's get out of here. We've gone over an hour and. Uh, crap we didn't get to half actually a lot of the stuff you just mentioned in free talk covered some of the stuff uh, i wanted to talk more about the economics of things and consolidation and the banks maybe maybe you can go on with tiger and talk about that because i think you yeah well I'll actually well just speaking of the big picture on the banks i will have a documentary out soon similar to the style of the wef one about the uh, rothschild banking dynasty or oh, of man. the illuminati adam weishaupt so it's taken about a month to get that one together, but 
it'll be out soon. The edits are just, you know, how that goes, just incredibly time consuming. <laughs> yeah, especially if you got a day job, it really, really. Yeah, sucks. yeah, for sure. So, but, all right. Well, anyway, final final thoughts on anything we talked about today. Uh, the death. I I, w- I guess we'll call this the death of the small town, even though we didn't talk about just that alone. That was kind of the. Yeah. The, no. I. Um. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. Um. Yeah. Final thoughts. Um. You know. Thanks for having me on, and I appreciate the the sentiment on the channels and you know i look forward to uh being a part of this community in the future absolutely well you were you're fantastic to have on and we got to have you on again hopefully some of the other folks that are doing this will have you on as well you have a lot to offer and you're doing really good work by the way really really good work thank you so anyway i guess i'll get us out of here so that does it for tonight remember to hold your ground watch the enemy improve the foxhole and always look out for one another until next time You've been watching The Foxhole with Jason Parker.